Namaste, greetings dear viewers. We are glad to see you today with us on the Lata TV channel at the International Roundtable, the purpose of which is to reveal even more deeply the topics raised at the online conference, Global Crisis, This Already Affects Everyone, which took place on July 24, 2021. The importance of this conference is that it brought together various researchers, scientists, politicians, businessmen, professors to honestly tell the world about the problems that we are facing today in many cases without even realizing it. These are issues related to the development and implementation of artificial intelligence, the environmental crisis, and most importantly, the real causes and consequences of climate change that were announced. The uniqueness of this conference is that it was organized by volunteers of the international public movement Alatra from all over the world. It was simultaneously translated into 72 languages of the world. And this was also done by volunteers, thanks to a common understanding of the need for people to hear the information in their own language in all corners of the planet. The central theme of today's international roundtable is the climate threat. Let's welcome our distinguished guests. I'm happy to present to you Professor Rachana Chakraborty from India educator, writer, blogger, educational counselor, motivational speaker, and social activist. Olga Simpson from USA, construction engineer. Akansha Singh from Qatar, head corporate communication. Nishant Batkal from India, filmmaker. And Jonathan Rivat from Netherlands, strategic sales development manager. And before we start, let's watch a video from the conference Global Crisis. This already affects everyone. technical breakthrough in the world. Every day, neural networks are successfully replacing millions of people in all professions. The unemployment rate has reached a critical level. The planet's ecosystem is destroyed. The number of cataclysms is increasing every day. There are no safe areas left on the planet.
it's already happening. But there is still a chance to change everything. So it is already happening, but still we have a chance to change everything. Vital issues were raised at the conference and you know, there were questions touch upon that leaves no one indifferent. I would like to ask my first question to Ms. Rachana. Please share your impressions about the conference. What touched you? What inf information impressed you? And the importance of topics raised at the conference. Over to you, Ms. Rachana. Thank you, Kusum, uh, for that question. Yes, the conference was very comprehensive and it has just blowed off some of the most important topics, which is really an eye-opener for the humanity. I think we all got the answers to the most important things of life. The issues is not about the evaporating of the resources which we see, but it is about the willingness in the system to make the best use of it. And the keywords which I had learned by listening to the conference is that there were some words like collaborations. We need to come together as a people. And when we come together as a people, we look at what is going on in the society and globally. And then the second takeaway for me was that the time for action is not far away. Not to ponder right now. The time for action is right now, just now. We just need to make the changes very quickly. The earth will evolve very quickly with us or without us. We are absolutely at the edge of the cliff. The information leading to awareness is really everything. So that's why we need programs or conferences like this, which is a key element and to orient and to bring up a creative world. This is these sort of conferences is making or getting connected to the public that the time for action is right now to come together and to heal the world to make it a sustainable place to live in. So that was my takeaway. And one more thing which I just want to include here is that we had seen that this conference had involved so many minds together making them a different angle thinking the into a positive aspect it had affected me too because when i saw the details every single bit of the conference which was highlighting so many things which we all knew about it but we were not acting we just went on looking we just went on gathering knowledge but right now we know that it's the time for action. We need to stand up and raise our voices for this proper cause. So that was my key takeaways from the conference. 
Thank you very much, Professor Achana. I think that uh, all of us here today agree with you that uh, it is really very, very important to know uh, such, informa such information that concerns everyone of us. And it's really important to start acting just right now. Yes. Uh, and uh, I would like to ask uh, Olga Simpson from USA, uh, what uh, impressions do you have uh, from this conference? What touched you mostly? Generally speaking, this conference, you know, you cannot overestimate the importance of this event, how important and essential it is, because for me, as an ordinary person, it was just a discovery, it was opening of my eyes. For example, when I'm going to a supermarket, I always taking a paper bag, and I was been, I've been thinking that this way I preserve our environment, but what when at the conference, I heard how many hectares of forests were cut in order to have these paper bags. I had such a dilemma, what to do, what to use, plastic bags or paper bags, I don't know. In either way, I do not preserve the environment. So this in, in conferences, you know, it is really even educative for a person, because, for example, if a person is being told that you have to use paper bags instead of plastic bags, you'll be a nice person. If you go and use electric car, you'll help our environment. But this doesn't really solve the problem, and nobody delves deeper. And this conference actually helped people to ask themselves a deeper question and understand themselves what is happening. Of course, the shocking information was uh, plenty of it about the anthropogenic factor that it doesn't influence climate at, to such an extent as mass media describe us is and also the core of the earth the ozone layer this whole information you know it was just striking and the most interesting thing is that this conference it really shocking right it's shocking from many sides but at the same time it gives an understanding that we have to act just like china just said we don't just have to sit and look we cannot just pretend that nothing is happening for example i'm living in a developed country and sort of everything is fine but i know that in even in my country in michigan in one of my districts i can see that very often it looks like sort of we have America, very well developed country, but even in America, when you opened a chat and information that people with asthma have to be careful, already warnings are coming that oxygen is not enough. But what do these people have to do? So basically, we have this common problem, global problem, and now we have ring all the bells and really do something. That's why this conference, it is extremely important for all people. Thank you. Absolutely uh, true about that because, uh, you know, there were so many um, things that has opened each and everyone's per uh, eyes. Even for me, there was so much information that I didn't know about and I was, uh, you know, very, very uh, amazed by the information. Thank you so much for sharing this. Uh, I go to Ms. Akansha. Um, can you share your impressions about the conference? What has touched you and the importance of, uh, you know, the topics raised at the conference? Over to you, Ms. Akansha. 
thank you mrs uh, kanwar um first of all it was amazing uh, for me to hear and see that you don't need to be an expert to make change happen or to be part of a forum or a community you know that is actively discussing or trying to build uh, bring about actionable changes um so uh, for me i have been um, interested or passionate or you know making small changes like uh, um Sing, uh, avoiding single use plastic etc for the past say 5 or 6 years um but i never thought that you know there would be um, a time where i would be qualified enough to sit and discuss what i think in front of uh, amazing people like all of you all over here but uh, that's what mm, the conference has shown me that you know all we need is actually a voice for change to happen all we need is um united words and that is what is going to bring about change um the conference touched about uh, touched upon many topics consumerism for one um yes of course the pandemic has changed consumerism as we know it we all think we are becoming ethical consumers uh, we are buying better we are buying eco friendly but is that really a solution um is eco friendly also not another consumerist propaganda you know uh when the goal should be to reduce waste we are buying eco friendly plastic which also is waste because it still takes seven years to decompose albeit is lesser than what um traditional plastic uh, would take but it's still seven years more of load that uh, you know the earth is going to have to deal with because now we feel that it's okay to buy eco friendly plastic so maybe initially we would buy uh you know garbage bags by 20 per month but now because we somewhere feel that oh it's eco friendly it's all right maybe we'll buy 40 and we think it's justified we think oh we are we are we are ethical consumers but that that's not true uh, i mean that's it's not being marketed saying that uh, your eco friendly plastic is putting 7 years every garbage bag you use every eco friendly plastic spoon you're eating is adding up to 7 years 7 years maybe 7000 years of uh, decomposing load on mother earth and she's suffering anyways so much i mean anyways uh, like it was mentioned here trees are getting slashed for paper bags which is also a better alternative to plastic but is it i mean trees are getting slashed for anyways for furniture for uh, luxury and all of that and now we're also slashing it for eco friendly options so i think what um what kind of uh, broaden my horizon the most that it's not just us polluting uh, the world that is you know kind of causing everything um climate change and all of that it's it's sort of a consumerist propaganda that is being pushed into us even today as we try to buy eco friendly um also as uh, mrs rashna said uh, i mean it's the time is now and we know uh, it's nice to see that we can get together and discuss ways to create change because uh, only if today uh, only if today is used in discussion it that tomorrow can be probably brighter for the coming generations for us for life even beyond mankind because there is there is so much um, that nature has apart from us we are we are a mere component there is so much more life and they also deserve a much better earth than what we are giving it right now 
Thank you very much, uh, Ms. Akasha. Your words are very important, I think, for everyone to hear because, uh, as you said, we sometimes really um, misinterpret some things. Yes, we just pass the responsibility to other people. And uh, when we know more information, more truthful information, because really this conference reveals many things, we, we, we didn't know it. And now when we are more uh, aware of it, Yes, we can uh, take this responsibility and we can uh, start with the first step, you know, just uh, start uh, speaking out about these things, telling everyone. And this is really very important. And the truth uh, unites, unites everyone. Uh, so I would like also to pass uh, the floor to Mr. Nishat from India, uh, really very interesting to hear from you. What impressions uh, do you have uh, from this conference, Global Crisis? This already affects everyone. Thank you for having me here. Um, I think what I really kind of, I took, I took a lot of inspiration out of it and I, I shared it with a lot of my friends. I felt that it was really important to get involved to think about solutions, to think about ways we can join communities and build communities and kind of protect the earth and all life on earth. And uh, I think it's really interesting how everyone's come together to you know, spread awareness. And hopefully, you know, we win this battle and we can like, you know, live on earth for much longer than planned. <laughs> So far. Thank you, Nishant. Uh, yes, uh, you know, when each one of us start thinking about it, that, you know, you know this is our responsibility, I think uh, we can have a better future and a happy uh, Earth here. Thank you so much for your uh, views. Uh, can I now request Jonathan to share about what he liked about the conference? And, uh, you know, what was the message the conference gave? Thank you. Yes, thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, this conference was really, a, I would say, an eye-opener on the scale of this, I would say even this global crisis. It's, it's a, you can say many global crises, but it's at the end one global crisis. And it also uh, raised the idea of a unity in the crisis, and it means that we need to unite also to face uh, those crises. Um, something that has been raised during the conference is this idea of the earth as an organism and us being part of this organism. And I think that just this idea in itself brings this unity uh, as soon as we understand it, that we are not different countries, we are not uh, just separate from each other, we have this earth that we need to take care of, all of us together. Um, you can think about us as different cells uh, from different organ of this organism if you compare to the countries, but we need to work together uh, the same that our organs work together to make sure our body is uh, functioning. So I think this analogy is very compelling for everybody to really understand the urgency uh, in which we are right now and to make sure that Mother Earth is um, capable of sustaining us rather than just getting rid of us um, as it seems that it's going. Uh, so I really like that idea and I think it should resonate a lot into people to really see this um, global picture 
rather than having this fragmented information, um, like Olga mentioned, either now we are thinking that everything is down to the people and what we have done, but that's not the case. There is other things that are affecting the earth uh, and that we need to be ready for it. Um, so overall, this idea uh, that the conference brought about a, a general understanding and this global picture really helps me and hopefully helps many people to really get engaged because they finally understood um, the urgency of the situation. Yes, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, I'm, I'm very sure the people uh, you know who all have watched this conference, they have understood the urgency of what is happening. And definitely Mother Earth has uh, you know the capability of sustaining all of us. And we also have a responsibility to look after her. Now we will watch a video about the garbage. Two thousand twenty one six million eight hundred eighty five thousand nine hundred kilograms of plastic thrown into the ocean. 216 billion of kilograms of toxic waste released into the environment. 23 billion 250 million metric tons of carbon dioxide released into the atmosphere. Our beautiful planet. It could have been a real paradise. An ideal place for human, animal and plant life. But we turned it into a garbage dump. The air, the water, the earth, everything is poisoned. Back in the 5th century BC in Athens, a first known edict was issued, forbidding dumping of garbage in the streets and ordering garbage collectors to dump waste no closer than a thousand double steps, about one mile from the town. Just like 2,500 years ago, dumping in landfills remains one of the main methods of waste disposal. Have you noticed how far our technology has evolved? Every minute, one million plastic bottles are sold around the world which is 20,000 bottles per second, and only about 9% of them are recycled. One plastic bottle takes 450 years to decompose. In Beijing, there is no more room for garbage in landfills. In the past decade, 14 landfills around New York City have been filled up to the limits. The Gazipur landfill in India is as high as the Taj Mahal. Its height is approximately 73 meters and it occupies a space of 40 football fields. The Gazipur landfill was even equipped with warning lights so that planes or helicopters would not accidentally hit it. At the same time, Russian landfills occupy 4 million hectares. This equals the area of the Netherlands or Switzerland. The waste material decomposes there, emitting methane and other chemicals, permanently poisoning the soil and air and contributing to the greenhouse effect. The landfill gas gets into the groundwater and then into the water bodies, from which drinking water is taken. Incineration of waste materials leads to the release of dangerous gases containing toxic heavy metals, cadmium, mercury and plumbum, 
Entering the human body, they affect the blood and nervous systems, create risks of genetic defects, and promote the development of cancer. The new report of the Children's Fund, UNICEF, says that around one in three children, up to 800 million globally, have extra high lead levels in their blood, which can cause intellectual impairment and even death. One truck of plastic is dumped into the ocean every minute. This is expected to increase to 2 per minute by 2030 and 4 per minute by 2050. By 2050, this could mean there will be more plastic than fish in the world's oceans. And it forms vast islands of up to 16 million square kilometers. This corresponds to the size of Europe, India and Mexico combined. Garbage was found even at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, namely 3,500 man-made objects. Ocean plastic is pernicious to all its inhabitants. For example, on the coast of Spain, a dead sperm whale was found. Its stomach contained 29 kilograms of plastic, which resulted in the mammal's death. All this shows how terrible the consequences of global pollution are. Millions of living organisms are suffering and dying right now because of our irresponsibility. Food chains are broken, whole species are on the verge of extinction, and all of this will eventually affect us. A team of researchers from the University of Tasmania found microplastics even in the ice layers of the coast of Antarctica. Previous studies have shown that microplastics in ice lead to its rapid melting due to heat absorption. Unfortunately, not only the Earth and its entire biosphere has suffered at our hands, but so has space. Scientists have estimated that there are currently about 128 million pieces of space debris that are one millimeter across or larger. The speed of these particles can be enormous, up to 14 kilometers per second. They can penetrate the protective cover of satellites and orbiting stations. As a result, 3,000 satellites have already failed and have become junk themselves. Such incidents could cause a cascade of collisions and breakdowns in orbit. And if that happens to just a few major stations, we are excluding satellite television, the internet, GPS and mobile communications. Scientists suggest that at some point humans will no longer be able to launch new satellites into orbit and space will be completely closed to us. We sort waste by product type, we implement some of the hardest ocean cleanup projects, but what happens to this raw material in the end? Today, we don't know how to recycle waste without harming the environment. And the rate of reuse is very low, because it is not cost-effective for most industries. And at the same time, we have massive oversupply. The largest manufacturers of automobiles, branded clothing and equipment strive to maintain a high level of demand for their products through constant updates of versions or collections. Producers prefer to store surpluses in warehouses rather than sell them off, as this will lead to price drop and loss of image. 
in order to force consumers to buy more and more new products, manufacturers began to deliberately produce products with a limited lifetime. Have you noticed that products made 20 or 30 years ago are much more reliable? Have we really lost the ability to make high-quality products? No, it's just not profitable anymore. We consume more and more without noticing that soon we'll be buried under our own garbage. So this is a sad truth that we've just uh, uh, view in our uh, in this video. Uh, this is the truth about how we really uh, live today on our planet, uh, which is our own home, which is our only home, and we can see that uh, as it is said, we are just burying ourselves under all this garbage. We are contaminating. We are destroying our planet ourselves. And uh, this is the question, not just to, as we already uh, said, that it's not just to um, uh, stop buying some plastic bottles, bags, and so on. Uh, it is the thing that we should um, really be aware of and uh, start uh, to act globally. Uh, we should choose another format of our society because we, we see that uh, the reason of all these uh, mountains of garbage is our uh, format of uh, consumerism. So I would like to ask dear Professor Rachana, what do you think about it? And uh, to what extent do we humans ourselves worsen the state of our planet today? And how does this affect us? Yes, it is really that we are always conveniently ignoring what is happening all around us. We are having too much convenient about it. As in the last many years, we have seen that we know the solution. We know what is happening around us. But still, we have been ignoring the fact that there will be somebody else who will come up and solve the problem. The waste the humans are generating, waste has been, you know, determinal to our environment for a quick sometime right now. The humans are generating too much of trash, people like us, and we cannot deal with it in a sustainable way. This waste is not only the biodegradable, as we have just now seen, and cannot be properly recycled. It is filling all the ocean, the massive changes which is going around in the water pollution causing harm to our environment. We have seen all this happening and have been devastated with natural calamities happening in all the countries, not only in India, not only in uh, some selected countries, but it's globally we have seen that there are some climatic disaster which is going on. So even if we are talking about, uh, as Akanksha said, plastic, it's not the plastic. We are just increasing the waste, whether it's biodegradable, whether it's the degradable waste, 
we have been continuously working together and as it is in the video just now we saw that how to increase the consumer products and to bring the economic level to that particular topmost priority we have been maintaining that status and only increasing the manufacture we never thought that our world has been uh, suffering from so many problems which we have brought to it knowingly or unknowingly there might be around 10 to 15% who are doing this work unknowingly but there are 80% of the people who are doing it knowingly we have been knowing what the earth will do but still our production doesn't stop and it is this production which is encouraging the consumers to go and buy why will the production increase it is we as individual who is encouraging that so i feel that what is happening right now we ourselves need to sit down question ourselves and this conference i think is an eye opener for everyone who have been doing things only uh, for their personal benefits whatever might be their consequence they have never thought but this conference is really an eye opener for everyone it has brought some goosebumps from inside that our responsibility we have been shifting it all the time to our neighbors next door neighbors we have been trying to put the blame on others and just shield ourselves into a protective world that we are not responsible i am not using a plastic bag i am not using a plastic bottle so i am not responsible so we just cannot shake it off it is responsibility for each one of us every single individual living in this planet earth is responsible today and we need to just act together thank you mr rachna such profound words and and thank you we talked and saw this horror and realities uh, you know of today of the society that we live in we discussed the extremely serious state of uh, you know of climate today and what awaits us tomorrow and what will we face in a consumer format if we do not change it to a creative society or we do not you know consciously take responsibility each one of us thank you so much so we want to ask akansha singh from qatar how does the consumer attitude of people to the earth affect the environment today and what is the current state of the planet's ecosystem how important is the harmonious coexistence of man and nature over to you ms akansha we all know that uh, the global population is rising it's increasing and with that of course commercialism urbanization consumerism is rising rapidly uh, but there is only so much that the earth can give us or rather withstand now so um, our natural resources are very limited and as the as the demand for land you know food wood everything everything that we need uh, is growing it's also depleting uh many things that were actually gifted to us by mother nature our ecological footprints are in fact one of the major contributors to climate change the burning of fossil fuels takes up about 60% of our ecological footprints and this is what is causing 
the average global temperature and the Earth's surface temperatures to rise. Now, what is happening with this rise in temperature? We all know uh, we are losing ice. We are experiencing severe, extreme weather changing changes. So, having said that, climate change is affecting our available resources. Uh, of course, agricultural productivity. So, we are facing drought. We are facing water shortage. We are um, so we are creating a climate change that is contributing to ecological depletion. Both ecological depletion and climate change are human-induced. Uh, we are major contributors uh, with increasing carbon footprints, greenhouse gas emissions, fuel consumption, cutting down our forests, polluting the oceans. Everything that I've just said is all connected. We get climate change, uh, consumerism, humans. It's all connected. We're all connected because we delve on planet Earth. We are connected into this massive macrocosm, uh, macrocosm into the grand scheme of this ecosystem, which we have ceased to respect over the past few years. According to a study conducted by PwC, in the next decade, uh, the demands of global population are set to increase by 35% in food, by 40% in water consumption, and by 50% in energy. Now we're talking about 10 years down the line. Uh, to be honest, if you ask me, I'm unsure about what next year is going to show me, let alone how are we going to sustain a 40% increase in water consumption when we are already facing so many dry spells? I mean, what's going to happen to mankind then? And each of these things, be it food, be it water, be it energy, it's all, it's important in healthcare, in education, all this, all of these three factors come into uh, a healthy lifestyle for uh, thriving mankind. Um, so, uh, and as I said earlier, our resources are not finite. The Earth's natural resources are limited. So what happens when we used up all our natural reserves? Reserves. It's important to remember that for mankind to flourish, nature has to flourish. And for that, we have to maintain a balanced ecosystem. So uh, how do we have a prosperous, balanced ecosystem where mankind and nature progress together? It's uh, for me, it's a sustainable coexistence. Now, when I say coexistence, it's not just coexisting with human life. It's beyond that. Every organism on Earth plays its role in balancing out the ecosystem. The forests, the farms, oceans, every other natural asset has been co-created and kept alive by life. And when I say life, I don't mean just human life. But I mean, having said that, you know, we all... Uh, tend to go back and say, even right now when I'm talking or when we're all saying that, oh, we have, we are throwing trash, we are doing this. But to be honest, I don't think mankind is the problem. I mean, currently, yes, currently we are stuck in a rut of power play. Um, of course, the root cause of all depletion and climate change and the crisis is urbanization and mass commercialization, which is all the, the, uh, our goal setting, you know, the intention of our goal setting, our progress is, has been, um, is, uh, sorry, uh, the root cause of ecological depletion is urbanization and mass commercialization. So rapidly rising demands and increasing con consumerism, uh, there comes a time when humans coexisted with nature and that era. So I'm talking about my grandparents, your grandparents. I'm talking about uh, our ancestors when this wasn't the world that they used to live in. They had cleaner air, they had pure water, they had 
good quality food they didn't have to you know go and spend a lot of money on organic food because all their food was organic and they did coexist with everything around them you know today today the world is governed by tangible parameters like making profit buying a house earning money it doesn't matter who they have to step or who we have to step over for to get to kind of attain all of these luxuries or in fact necessities nowadays uh be it slashing down forests or trashing the oceans we are stampeding all over the gift of life that we have been given by nature and coexistence for me means valuing that gift of life respecting nature now that doesn't need, that doesn't mean that we need to stop doing things that we love we don't need to turn vegan or cycle to work i mean there are people who are doing that and that is amazing but personally i think that is too big a step for me to do, even for me to do personally so i'm not going to um, kind of promote that but i mean that everything available needs to be ethically consumed and used consciously like our previous generations did you know for example my grandparents uh, honored every morsel of food so right from the peel of the mango to the seed of the mango was consumed uh, in many many ways so uh, you know even if we started following some of those age old strategies to reduce waste you will be helping the uh, the earth a great deal you know as they say waste not want not we can't become zero waste in one day but reducing waste is also helpful having said that if we can unite the yesteryear's philosophies and their lifestyles with technology that this digital decade has give has given us you know we can create a really powerful change so i am currently working with a logistics digital logistics company so um one of the topics that we talk about is how logistics is one of the major contributors of carbon footprints in the world uh one of the causes are empty miles so for example when trucks or carriers like ships they deliver a shipment uh, most of the times they are currently coming back empty so when that happens you no, nor is any human being making any profit from this nor uh, um it's not fruitful for anybody you know you're wasting fuel you're wasting energy you're wasting time so these are called empty miles and that is one of the major contributors to increasing emissions so nowadays you have um, predictive analysis and uh, intelligence based smart logistics tools that can greatly reduce empty empty miles in the supply chain and you know small steps like this i'm i'm saying small but logistics industry is massive so if if even 80% of logistics providers start adopting these kind of practices and technologies eventually as they are digitally transforming it will contribute to overall environmental betterment so for me i think it's a combination of our age old principles that we were uh, blessed with as human beings and combining that with this extremely intelligent era thank you very much akansha uh, th- this is uh, the right words uh, that you've mentioned that uh, we should be uh, really more uh consciousness about our consumption yes we should find solutions for all these factors that uh, affects um our planet ourselves yes uh, we really have lots of problems now and uh, the state of the earth is uh, um is bad really and uh, the importance uh, i just wanted to uh say uh, about and mention also one more time about the importance of this conference uh that we held on uh, 24th of July uh global crisis this already affects everyone uh this uh, the, the most important topic of this conference was about the climate change yes so we understand that at least uh, we can uh, today 
somehow manage and find real solutions about these uh, uh, things that affects our planet and ourselves in uh, the sphere of uh, ecology. But we know that uh, even if we will find now and we will use um, we will use also consciously our technologies to manage these factors, but uh, we still have the problem about uh, w- which is related to climate change uh, because climate change is the thing that is happening now and uh, the situation will be even worse and we should be really... Um, prepared for this and it means we should be united because uh, right now uh, there are things that we can't change uh, with our technologies with uh, um, no money and nothing can solve the problem of climate change only we uh, united uh, as a humanity can find solutions to uh, really to get uh, from this problem from this situation uh, with uh, um, uh, let's say with, um, you know, like, like people, you know, just find the solution uh, all together and uh, un- united, we can do everything. So uh, I just uh, wanted to ask also uh, here with us, uh, Olga from the state of Michigan. Yes, and I wanted to uh, ask you because uh, we see that we, the people, have significantly worsened the state of our planet. And um, how is this state uh, of the Earth will meet climate disasters, uh, which in turn are already caused by a cyclical process? And uh, we can already judge the scale of the upcoming disasters right now because almost every one of us is already seeing an increase of climate change outside the window. We will talk about this in more detail with our guests at the roundtable and learn about what is happening around the world with the climate. And now, please, Olga, just wanted to ask you, uh, because we know that there are big uh, hurricanes there in Michigan and USA, and tell us more details, por favor, please, uh, what people living in the state are facing now. Thank you. Yes, of course, you know, the anthropogenic factor is fine, but when, when there is a hurricane and heavy rainfalls, you know, it's like whatever we do, if we stop using some plastic or waste, but hurricanes and rainfalls will not cease. So I would like to say that for 12 years I've been living in Michigan. Of course, over these years, near my house, trees were just uh, cut in by the wind, but it was like once. And there are flooding. We have floods, uh, especially highways when uh, they are filled with water and there are some cities flooded but this year even people who live there for a quite a long time they already see a heavy um, increase in the number of storms and this year the storms are aggravating and they are happening like all the time now i'm in oklahoma but uh, now, now i'm in california but i've came to michigan and there are already storm warning if you 
saw the conference on the July 24th. Right during the conference, there was a warning that if you have a shelter or some basement, you have to hide there underground because there is a heavy storm. But what if you don't have a basement? And if you have children and your, your house is flooded because sometimes that happens when, for example, there are pumps which are pumping out water and drain water. But uh, like when there is no electricity, this drainage system just don't work. And additional pumping machines do, cannot cope with this scope of water. You, the instruction is that you have to go to the basement, but if your basement is flooded, what should you do? Also, I noted we were riding in a car with my mom and there was a message on the radio. We were listening to some music, but then there was a message to be careful uh, in, in the county where we live in because I never noticed, but they said that in this city there will be at this time, at that time, so they know precisely what, at what time the storm will to your place. But actually you won't be able to prepare for a flood or a hurricane within 10 minutes because when there is flood, everything is filled with water and you just cannot be saved. But it's very interesting that the warning didn't come to my phone. There was no alarm. And But what if you are somewhere on the road? You're going somewhere, uh, for example, and you get into big, heavy wind. I would say they have such experience, and that's a terrible thing, especially when there is thunderstorm and lightning. They can really harm a human, they can kill a human. So basically, altogether, this, you know, it's like shocking. It's terrible. For example, when there was this heavy hurricane and 500,000 people were left without electricity. But what do you mean without electricity? You have water, but you cannot cook, you cannot get uh, warm. You, For example, when there is heat, heavy heat outside, I've been living here for 12 years, but now uh, summer is very hot and humid. And for example, if you have problems once, some respiratory diseases, you have problems with breathing, or you have asthma or other disorders, and it turns out that a person, you know, a person can go to his relatives. It's very nice, but sometimes you don't have relatives, you just don't have anywhere to go. For children, but you cannot go there because you don't have a generate generator, you don't have electricity. Who can you help? Of course, it's wonderful when we see how neighbors help each other, but it's such it's such a terrible situation. When within five minutes, you see you ride near houses where there are no roofs and there are fallen trees. You think, of course, first thought comes about yourself, like, oh wow, great it's not with me but then you think what what happens to you climate is changing drastically and these natural disasters are quite severe that's why i would like to say this half a million people who were left in michigan without electricity it's terrible because when 
Uh, we, for example, filed a request what time they will have our electricity back. And four days, it took them four days to restore the electric power supply. So what if you have only electric stove on, you have some food in your refrigerator, but it is spoiled because the refrigerator is not working. So. When I was thinking about this, and uh, we are kind of con uh, used to some conveniences, but what? But I just imagine myself being a climate refugee, for example. Now I'm troubled with not being able to uh, use refrigerator, drink coffee from the coffee machine. But what if you, I become a refugee? People who are hungry without water cannot wash themselves, they cannot have food, they just walk somewhere, do not wear. So I'm I'm urging you, we have to build the creative society as soon as possible, because I've understood for myself that no one is secured against anything in this life. In California, where I'm living right now, there are earthquakes and fires all around. And for example, when we were interviewing in the streets, California residents who've been living for several decades, they said that fires are terribly increasing. It is really, it is terrifying when this fire reaches you and you see that you cannot do anything like for example I've seen a house where there is nothing just a burnt out place because a person was just left without home and nobody could help him it's lucky if he and his family are alive with the documents but sometimes the refugees can have to escape even without any documents and this is horrible it's just horrible i think that we are extremely vitally it's necessary for us to notify as many people as possible to notify them what is happening in our world and that no one no one is secured against climate cataclysm this is terrible really terrible and i think that we have to put all our efforts to make as many people know about the conference which will take on December 4th, Global Crisis Time of the, for the Truth, because we see that the truth which was voiced at the previous conference, it really touched the depths of people's hearts. It urged people to act and, you know, at least to ponder, to start thinking and then acting. But this conference, which will take place on December 4, it will even be broader and it will expand on everything that is happening with climate and environment. So, as a, I think that I would like to say that it's my duty, my real duty and responsibility to notify the entire humanity. Otherwise, I won't sleep peacefully with my conscience. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, uh, Olga. That was, uh, you know, I actually, none of us will sleep, uh, you know, uh, very, uh, will have a good night's sleep if we are not going to do uh, take our responsibility seriously. So you tell us the situation with the climate in Michigan and you're sitting without light for four days and four nights and understanding the importance of covering the topic of climate and also now you've become social active and organizing people and telling them about the conference on December 4th. Thank you uh, and also telling them about the current uh, climate situation. Thank you so much for such vital information. Uh, Jonathan, we would like to ask you 
Could you tell us and share information about climate situation in your country and your general understanding of people's readiness for disasters? Could you talk and share about the climate situation in your country, uh, you know, and their preparedness to face uh, cataclysms? Yes, of course. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yes, uh, I would like to give a little bit of uh, more uh, information about the country where I live. So I live in the Netherlands, uh, in Europe. And um, just to give you an understanding about the country, it has been built on water, actually, 2000 years ago. Uh, it was a place with only water and wetland. So it means that one third of the Netherlands is actually lies below sea level. So with the lowest point actually at almost seven meters below the sea level. So that gives you an understanding of the uh, dangerosity regarding flooding. So it also means that two thirds of the country is actually prone to flooding. So let me share a bit of uh, historical facts uh, showing that unfortunately, as we can also see now, it seems that only disasters are needed to make people starting acting and change. Um, in early uh, 1953, when the North Sea broke through the protections, it floats more than 2,000 square kilometers of land and killed 1,835 people overnight in the Netherlands. So these disasters really pushed people to stand up and take responsibilities to change. It led to 1992, when the Dutch were able to pass a national flood policy that obligates them to protect people against floods and gave them a governing structure as well as resources. So following another flood, Unfortunately, in 1995, uh, it led to the evacuation of 2,500 uh, um, people in the Netherlands. Uh, and that's where they started a brand new program called Room for the Rivers. This measure includes the widening and deepening of the rivers channel to give more rooms to the rivers and the capacity to flow by moving people away, also taking agricultural lands and making them temporarily available when there is floods events. Um, in addition, uh, a high level of protection from dams, dikes and leaves, and really complex and uh, efficient evacuation uh, plans to make sure that peoples can be moved to same places, to safe places. Um, in addition, buildings, uh, more walls and dikes, the Dutch also began to apply a more long-term and holistic perspective about flooding. Uh, that factored actually in scientific data, the changing climate. So to give you an example of the innovation project, uh, there is an enormous park in the north of Rotterdam, and it's actually currently um, a rowing facilities, but it can hold actually a lot of water due to rain events or from a flood from a coming river. 
So also there is a concept of multi-usage in the city where a simple parking garage underground can be used as a storage for water in rain events. So you're going to may lose the cars inside the parking, but you will definitely save a lot by having this water condensed in that parking lot. We can also use the canals, a lot of canals in the Netherlands, uh, where the sidewalk can actually be flooded uh, without damaging anything around the city. So all of those different um, innovations that unfortunately happen after such uh, impacting floods uh, happened in the Netherlands, it brought us to actually not that long ago, while the Meuse River, which is a river that's flow in France, Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, uh, reached a record high level uh, recently. It was actually the week before the, the conference. But the scales of the destruction in the Netherlands were not the same as seen anywhere else. One key reason is that the Netherlands was able to cope with the large amount of water moving through this river system during the recent flooding. And it's due to a lot of efforts and investment that has gone into improving the country flood defense in recent years. So in other words, we can expect that our city will flood, unfortunately. It will cost a lot of money, but more important than material damage, we will lose people's lives. So the question is, last few weeks, a lot, a lot of structures have been permanently damaged and we need to seriously reconstruct or to be completely rebuilt. So the question is, should we build back the same way and in the same location? If we do not change, it will happen again. But if we do change and we use this as an opportunity to build better cities, better water system, and collaborating not only within the cities, but within the region, across borders, then we have a chance to build a better future as a result. So it is really necessary to prepare for more of such events, unfortunately. Thus, we need to unite and put our efforts together because we can really transform ourselves and change our world for a better place. But we need to act. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jonathan. All these stories that we've heard from all of you are very, um, just uh, very important to know because uh, actually, as Olga also said, that uh, when uh, you uh, when you don't face this uh, climate disasters, you just always will be thinking that it is somewhere else. It won't be with you. It, uh, um, it doesn't happen in here, but you never know when it will be in your, um, city in your house uh, yes and when you are hearing from this information from the people who've experienced this uh, you know that actually uh, you see that uh, these are the same people as you uh, there's no difference uh, between us uh, surely when we are talking about climate change there's no difference uh, climate is everywhere and these changes are everywhere and so you you never know who uh, will be next uh, in 
facing some climate disaster. So uh, really, Jonathan, as you are saying, it's important for us today to build a creative society and to inform every person on this planet about the serious climate situation uh, and about so, so that uh, every person could think about the role of each of us in this process. And I would like to ask um, Akansha, what do you think about how do you envision creative society and what do you think uh, we could do to build a creative society in the shortest possible time, uh, given the seriousness of the situation with, with uh, climate and ecology? To, to create my definition of an ideal society, what our definition of an ideal co-creative society we would have to kind of unlearn what we've been conditioned to know, especially uh, our generation and the uh, very near uh, past and uh, the ones a little bit below us. Uh, we need to unlearn what we've kind of been conditioned because the media has been conditioning us for years together. And now we don't know what it is that is right and what is wrong. So we need to unlearn what we've been conditioned to know. We need to relearn what we have forgotten as mankind. You know, our parameters of success need to be redefined, where it's not profit, money, uh, success. It's kindness, equality, humanity. Those should be the milestones to creating a society that coexists ethically. So uh, the first time I went scuba diving, I saw tiny marine creatures, you know, very casually moving in and out of the mouth of a moray eel. Now, if you've seen a moray eel, it looks like a very terrifying uh, creature, but it's harmless and very beautiful as well. But these tiny fish are like, you know, going in and out of his mouth and he's not doing anything to them. So, you know, how come I, I kept thinking, how come the eel isn't eating the tiny fish? And that's when I truly understood symbiosis. These tiny fish basically clean the eel's mouth. And when the eel gives them shelter, from, uh, the eel basically gives them shelter from their predators. So, I mean, they have figured out how to live in such beautiful harmony. And that is the goal. I think living a life of coexistence and symbiosis. And for that, we need to unite. We need to take a stand. And we need to believe that a harmonious life can be achieved if we all come together. Absolutely. So beautiful. It's, it's about sustainability and it's about coexistence. Thank you so much for your, you know, really, really, uh, you know, a personal experience that you've seen, uh, uh, you know, and, and you've uh, shared it with us. Thank you so much. So my next question is for Professor Rachina. We know that you conduct a lot of interviews uh, so that as many people as possible learn about creative society. So thank you uh, for this. Uh, but there are people who still wonder where to start, you know, what to do. What would you recommend to such people? Ms. Rachina, the floor is all yours. So, yes, uh, thank you, Kusum, for that lovely question. Yes, I have been meeting and conducting, trying. The main intention was what I have understood. I want others to get into this concept that uh, we need to start right now. We have pondered a lot. We have known a lot. We have studied a lot. A generation and the future and the past, everyone has been knowing what we have been doing to the environment. We are just moving towards this consumer-based society. 
so it's now that we need to change so that is why this interviews have helped little bit but you are truly right what we need to do more to reach out to more people so i feel reaching out to more people is sharing your stories your own experience that will correlate with the others so if we can tell us what we have experienced what we have undergone especially right now when we had seen the conference we had seen several topics which were very very meticulously pinned out and shown very clearly with the visual aids which uh, you know even a um, layman can understand what exactly is happening to the universe we really need to spread out with a form of small uh, medias probably and i feel the visual effect caters to more public in natural people wants to see and understand as this conference had affected a lot of people including me i too was unaware of many facts though we were knowing everything averagely that this is what is happening globally to the universe but then some facts was disclosed very very minutely so i feel uh, right now kusum uh, that we need to uh, keep this visual effect or with the help of visual aids we need to reach out to more and more public there are medias of course it's working out and share people sharing their own experience instead of just giving quotations from books or from uh, news media or anything it should be a general man talking how uh, they have been uh, you know suffering with a the climatic disaster the global crisis the consumeristic ban on them so the general public should come up and speak and this will make an impact on the society and i feel that this will really bring about a change especially nowadays we have medias working on like the reels uh, we have seen uh, the small ones which comes uh, so probably that can make an impact we can show some climatic changes there and where the people can get connected with that they will see oh my god these are the disasters which is happening in the universe it's not a digital effect it's not an artificial analysis which has been thrown this has really been happening all around so i think with that aspect we can reach out to more and more people and uh, more and more people can be united to start for action as i already said we need we cannot think we cannot ponder anymore it's really right time that we start with acting right now and this is the prime time that we do it the world the worst the world can wreck on me the worst that i can make life indifferent yet whispered with discontents and dying prayer i have beheld the whole world my heart had interest in this life to be deserent from turn off of my hopes that nothing now is left then why then leave on so we need to put this impact that on the general public and we i think can motivate more and more people and make more and more people aware of the condition in which they are we cannot shrug ourselves off that we are not responsible others are my neighbors are i am not doing anything wrong 
I am perfect. I'm not using a refrigerator. I'm not using any other thing which is uh, creating the global crisis. So I am not responsible. So this attitude should be changed from the people that we as individuals, everyone is necessary to join hands together and bring around the change. Thank you so much. Really so profound. So, uh, you know, are we ready to change the format of the society or do we leave everything as it is? And, you know, if we do that, uh, definitely this is good, resulting in a, you know, a, a global crisis that is coming to us sooner than later. Realizing that inaction is a consent to a consumerist format in which we live. It is now very critical to build a creative society worldwide. So my question for Ms. Olga is, why is a creative society the only way out? Over to you, Ms. Olga. For me, you know, the main point is in creative society is that human life paramount in the creative society, while in the consumer society, human life versus nothing. In, in consumer society, only money and profits have a value. So if this first foundation of the eight foundations of the creative society will be implemented, because all other seven foundations are following the first foundation, I think that if this is implemented, then our life will have a totally different meaning. And it's very important to ensure that every person's life on the planet Earth will be the highest value. And nothing is more valuable than life. That is why Thank we so must much, build the creative. You're right that uh, every person uh, here and every person who already united to the project Creative Society feels the same and uh, actually uh, really uh, stands for this first uh, fundament of uh, Creative Society, uh, the, the value of life. Um, and uh, actually, uh, we can tell uh, when we are talking about how to build a creative society and we are talking about this first step to inform all the humanity about it uh we thinking that uh, we we always think that it's 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 a complicated thing yes because <laughs> there are lots of us but actually we just uh, don't have time to wait that someone will do it and we just need to uh, act we need to talk to each other and uh, need to spread this information this idea this uh, the only way out of the crisis we are facing now and we will face uh, further uh, by telling to everyone about the creative society. We are th that social media that can uh, spread this uh, good news because uh, creative society is good news for everyone because we, we always think, oh, okay, well, we now know all the problems we are facing. We are aware of it and uh, we just need to find the solution, which is very hard. And it is very hard for us to unite, to think uh, all together about it. But we just done this. Yes, we already have this solution. And uh, it is more, uh, it is much simpler, 
simpler it's simpler for us now to act to continue this wave of information informating the all humanity about the creative society so uh, i would like to ask jonathan what do you think what are the ways to inform about a creative society and what can every person who hears us right now and is ready to act what can every person do Yes, thank you. Um, in terms of ways to uh, inform about the creative society, I mean, we are in the modern era. We have all of the modern technology, social media. I mean, we cannot even think about a better uh, uh, time uh, in the whole humanity where we can actually do this. Uh, so it, it's quite amazing to think about this and to see How can many, how many people can be reached out? Um, just thinking about the conference, for instance, that it has been uh, translated into 72 languages. That's 72 languages that can be uh, actually presenting that information and being able to understand it. Um, when we compare to everything that you can learn about the situation, um, you can see how narrow, just in terms of languages, it is. Um, um, mostly in English, you can hear about uh, what is happening, uh, but 72 languages is so great how many quality of you can actually reach with that. And together with the social media, that's the great uh, combination. Um, I think more on the ways, it's also Uh, in terms of tools, it's also the, the, the ways of communicating this message that is very important for us to take in consideration. Um, when we think about the creative society, um, and it has been said that it's almost something that we need to unlearn what we have been uh, taught uh, for so many years. So it's kind of a tricky way to, 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 to perceive. Uh, so what we need to really do when we talk about the creative society, we really need to tell the people what is their benefits into this. They should not think that it's something they have to do. It's something they're doing for themselves. Um, to be honest, I'm a salesperson and there is this kind of idea of how to sell to somebody, the person should, you should not enforce anything on the person. The person should realize that they want your product. And in a way that the creative society is the only answer that everybody should be thinking of and everybody should understand, they, but they should understand it themselves. So it's really up to us to resonate with them, to make them understand that idea of a creative society, all of the simple concepts around it um, and make them start doing something. Um, the second part of the question is about what they can do. And as soon as they reach that point of this search, this amazement of, wow, that is the answer. It's right in front of me. And, and to be able to do it, we just need to unite. At some point, it sounds kind of easy. And then you start, okay, but where do I start from? Um, my um, experience was that I kind of, thought, okay, I need to talk to somebody. I need to reach, reach out to somebody uh, to get a little bit more guidelines. Um, there is thousands of volunteers that are already working on this uh, concept of this uh, creative society. And I have to say, out of all my experience, there is no such an organization and actually a 
he in that case volunteers, which is not an organization, but a group of people that are reacting so fast as soon as you send them a request. Uh, even you find like somebody on WhatsApp or somebody on Telegram or you send an email, there is so many ways to reach out to this community and somebody will pick up their phone, pick up an email and they will answer to you and already guide you who to talk to, what you can do, what language you're speaking, what action you can do. It's just amazing to see how this organic uh, group is is capable of doing and we can see it uh, through the conferences. So first things to do, if you're willing to do, first, don't miss this opportunity. Consciousness is very good and skilled at erasing every good impulse that you may have one day and the next day you're going to feel moody, you're going to have something coming your way and you're going to kind of forget about this idea that you had to join. So if you have that, use it. Reach out to somebody um, somebody will be here to get you to move forward to the second step. But the first step of reaching out is, I think, the most important one and maybe the easiest one. So thank you so much. Uh, so we all are looking for a global solution and, uh, you know, creative society is the only way that we can reach. So in conclusion, I would like to express my great gratitude to the distinguished guests for today's International Roundtable. That's for your valuable examples, your understanding, your support of creative society. I remind you that today we have gathered as part of the continuation of the online conference, Global Crisis. This already affects everyone, which was held on July 24th, uh, 2021 and was translated into uh, 72 languages of the world. We also thank our dear viewers for your support and participation, for your constructive comments, for your kind words and address to our guests. Today, we have again shared with you and with each other the most valuable information that is, uh, you know, which is important to everyone. And everyone knows this because the climate uh, will change the life of every person and we need to unite as soon as possible. Choose a creative path of our development so that technologies that can help us cope with climate threats are used in time and really are the benefit for the people and for each of us and for all of us together. Only together we can cope with any difficulties. Therefore, please share the information with everyone. Tell everyone that you already know about it. Everyone should know the truth. If people stop hiding it, you know, you uh, start actively sharing it. And the idea of a creative society, we will be able to take advantage of our chance for salvation. That's our last chance. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And uh, dear friends, uh, what you are seeing and hearing now is the result of joint actions of people from 180 countries of the world, people who care about the fate of humanity, our common future. And I would like to remind that uh, this is all uh, done by volunteers, people who have families, children, work, worries, the same problems and dreams as each of you. These are people who have chosen life. But what is important when we unite, we act not only for ourselves, but for all of us. There's no benefit for us to do what we do. We will get nothing for it. 
except the future for us and our children. But isn't that the goal of a real person? We, people of different nationalities, views, experiences, habits, once realized that we are all one big family, humanity, that we are responsible for the fate of all mankind, we have decided to live in a creative society. And we will continue to tell the truth until everyone has the opportunity to make a decision. We invite you to a new conference, which will be held on December the 4th, on, 2000, on 2021, Global Crisis, the time, time for the Truth. There we will reveal the topics of climate and environmental disasters in even more detail. Once again, many thanks to everyone who organized this roundtable. Thank you, Kasum. Thank you, dear guests. To each of you, thank you to the translators, designers, technical team, everyone who makes online broadcasts on Alatra TV possible. And today there can be only one difference between people, those who have already joined the construction of a creative society and those who do not yet know about this idea. It is our task to remove this difference. And if you haven't joined the Creative Society project yet, we invite you to watch a short video on how to do it. And we will see you at the next roundtables. Thank you.